Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. You're listening to The John Cordray Show, number 32. Today I'm talking to Nicola Brown, a licensed clinical social worker, about brokenness, healing, and forgiveness. This is The John Cordray Show, the infusion of mental health and healthy living. Welcome to the green zone of inspiration, encouragement, and enlightenment. Discover how you can feel better so you can start living better. And now, your host, your friendly neighborhood therapist, a national certified counselor, a leading voice of emotionally healthy living, and the mental health dude, John Cordray. Hello and welcome to the John Cordray Show. My name is John Cordray and I am the host of this show. I'm also a licensed therapist and a national certified counselor. And I am so delighted that you are joining me for a few minutes today. Uh, I have a very special guest that I'm going to be talking to in just a minute. Uh, But I just wanted to let you know that you are special. I value you. And we all have a story. And that story makes you unique. And you are a wonderful person and you have a lot of value to add to your world. And so I appreciate the fact that you are spending time with me today and you're going to get to know uh, a very delightful woman. Her name is Nicola Brown. Nicola Brown is a licensed clinical social worker. She's working out of the DC, Washington DC area. She was actually born in Montego Bay in Jamaica and she lived in DC For most of her life, she was born in Jamaica, but now is in uh, D.C., the D.C. area where she grew up. She is a mental health professional, and for several years, she enjoys working with individuals and families. Uh, Nicola earned her master's in social work from the the University of Maryland, and uh, she focused on clinical mental health with a concentration in employee assistance programs, or EAP, as you may know them. She has worked in private practice, and she's developed a passion to help people find their calling. I love it. Nicola believes in embracing the journey of life, and she credits her faith in God and seeking professional help with overcoming her own trauma. She believes in the power of God to heal and also believes in the gift of godly counsel to help people overcome the challenges of life. Wow. Doesn't that sound cool? I can't wait for you to get to know Nicola. She is a very, very delightful person. And you're going to hear in just a moment, she has a story of trauma, of abuse, and she is telling her story to you. And my hope is 
that you eventually, someday, if you haven't already, tell someone else your story. Because your story matters, and your story can help somebody else. Okay, well, let's get into this, shall we? So let's listen in and get to know Nicola Brown. Well, Nicola Brown, thank you so much for being willing to come on my show today. I just really appreciate it, and and I just can't wait to hear more about your story. And I, and I know you're a licensed clinical social worker, and you work out of the D.C. area, which is really intriguing. But I'm also intrigued the fact that you're actually from or you were born in Jamaica. And so that's pretty cool. Uh, I've been to Jamaica several times as well, right there in Montego Bay. And that is a beautiful part of Jamaica. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, it's a beautiful island. Unfortunately, I haven't been back much since I, I left at the age of nine. But I definitely keep up with the food. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I love jerk chicken. Yes, curry chicken, all yeah. of that. Yes. Absolutely. I love the ginger beer Uh-oh. as well. You know, I, <laughs> you I, I, when I first tried it, I thought, whoa, what is this? Because it has <laughs> a kind strong, of a, right? Yeah, it's bitter and strong. But after you, I drank it more and more, I, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it really clears up. It's like wasabi. It kind of clears up the, the sinuses yeah, and all that. <laughs> right. But it's not beer. It's right. actually soda. But yeah. it sounds like it might be beer because it's ginger beer, but it's actually right. soda. Yeah. Well, that's pretty neat. Neat, neat. Well, I want to get right into your story. And, and one of the things, Nicola, that I have found so interesting and intriguing that as I talk to people in general, but specifically with other therapists who are mm-hmm. in a helping profession that sit down and, and meet with people like I do uh, in the office and people come to us uh, at their lowest parts of their lives mm-hmm. and they're struggling. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you feel like I do very, very humbled and mm-hmm. privileged that somebody would actually come to me and bear their soul mm-hmm. uh, of what where they're hurting and, and how they're uh, just struggling with life. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love to kind of turn the tables a little bit because I know behind every therapist, mm-hmm. there is a story. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I am so intrigued with hearing your story. And I know you've written a book as mm-hmm. well. And mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear about that and, and your practice. So do you mind if we just get, jump right into your story? Sure, sure. Let's go for it. So I actually, um, I'll just start from the beginning. I came here in 89 uh, <laughs> at the <laughs> age of nine. I'm like, I'm telling about myself. Yes. I'm going to do some math real quick. And well, hey, I want you to be as transparent <laughs> as you can. So tell us your age. Well, I wasn't That's trying good. to tell people how old I was, but I mean, now you know, now you know, I'm 35. <laughs> and I came here uh, with my mom. Uh, you know, my mom a single mom. My father lives in Canada. And so we came here uh, just to kind of start a life. And she was she was engaged at the time that we came here. So most of my family lives in Florida, love Florida. Um, but my mom and I came to the DC metropolitan area because she was engaged. And so um, it was a huge adjustment. Culturally, I just I had never been anywhere like this where it was sure. cold. And so yeah, just really. that alone um, and adjusting to the school system here and acculturation, it was definitely a very difficult transition. 
but I, I learned a lot. And so my mom, um, being a hard worker, um, kind of left a lot of things up to me to try to figure out the school system and, and get things taken care of at a really young age, which kind of shaped who I ended up becoming a very mm. independent person <laughs> from yeah. a, a child, from my childhood. And, um, unfortunately while my mom was engaged, there was, uh, very tumultuous times with her fiance and he was actually very abusive, mm. um, to her and to myself. And so that was kind of like, a huge turning point in my life because I think when you're when you're dealing with an abuser, um, it kind of it sh- especially at a young age it shapes a lot of your perception of the world and relationships, and yeah. so that kind of was a huge um, marking point in my life and actually led me into this field. Um, my undergraduate degree is actually in environmental science. So my mm-hmm. major was in the sciences and I ended up coming back to this because I knew it was my calling. And part of it was because of my own wounds, my own trauma and yeah. um, needing to, to do the work to kind of get there. And I, I always knew that I would end up in this field. But, you know, those were some of the things that kind of led me to to becoming a, a therapist myself. Um, you know, and as you grow, I think a lot of times you don't want to be different. You don't want to kind of talk about the things that are scary and painful. And in my culture, it's not always um, accepted in a sense, like dealing with emotional issues or abuse or depression, anxiety, those types of things were not really addressed in our family, even though we had mental illness in our family. Mm. It was like the unspoken thing. No one really talked about it. And so I knew that God was calling me to do some deeper work and I did not want to do it. <laughs> and that's why, you know, when you're counseling people, it is such a humbling thing because yes. it takes so much to admit your weakness and mm. to be in a place of complete vulnerability that you would allow somebody into that space, into that trauma. It is just like you opened up. It's it's such a privilege and an honor because yeah. I know what it's like to be on the other side. And mm-hmm. what it took for me to actually get there to to do the work um, that I needed to do for myself to heal and kind of overcome some of the things that I experienced in my childhood. You know, can, do you mind if I interrupt you here for a minute? Sure. Because I think what you you were hitting on something that I know I am very passionate about, and and that is using our past and our Mm. hurt and our wounds to be able to help other people. Mm -hmm. And I think so many times, uh, a lot of people, a lot of uh, maybe potential clients or, or your clients, my clients, they don't realize, or they don't consider that their therapists, when they walk into the room and look Mm. at us, we have hurt, we have Mm. pain, we have a past, Mm -hmm. we have a story. And I think, I really think that's kind of what makes us, be able to relate to our clients. Mm-hmm. So it, at least for me, I don't look at it as I'm the expert, I'm the doctor, you're my patient, come to me for all the answers. Mm-hmm. But it's me relating to them at a, at a very, uh, you know, a very personal level. And, and just to connect with them at a, at, a, at a level that, you know, I'm not perfect and I'm broken as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can relate. So I really like the fact how you are talking about your trauma 
and your wounds and on and, and all that all those experiences that you had growing up you're enabling that to be a part of who you are and that's what's making you such a good therapist and that is really good for me to hear we are our tools i mean we we use ourselves and our profession um to build a rapport with our clients to build a therapeutic alliance and to have empathy with with the people that we're working with. And sometimes people can't connect because they do feel like there's such a great divide. Yes. Um, you're perfect. So how could you possibly help me? You've never even been through, I've actually heard people <laughs> say things like that. You've never been through anything. So how could you know? Um, yeah. I've learned so many things from my clients. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have really taught me what it means to be strong. And to really stand in your truth in the most painful times in their lives, you know, mm. just being a, a witness to that, being a witness to a survivor of, mm -hmm. of trauma, someone who's been a victim. That, I mean, that is a powerful thing to, mm -hmm. to, to witness and, and to have someone testify to you about what they've been through. That's empowering for me yeah. as a clinician. And so, I again, I feel like it's an honor and a privilege. And I don't want to present or project that I don't have my own pain. I don't have my own mm. story. I don't have my own brokenness that God mm. had to heal. And, and I, and I, I, I too had to do work Yeah, <laughs> and it makes it more uh, convincing when people know that you had to, I had to do work too. I had to do, I had to align myself with the, with a the therapist. I had to invest in myself. I had to, develop some of the same coping mechanism and stress management techniques that I tell people to apply because mm -hmm. it's kind of, you know, if we're not taking care of ourselves and then we're telling other people to do the same, then it doesn't really, it's not as effective when you're right. applying the same techniques in your life and it's working, you can then with authority and, and, you know, with a clear conscience, kind of, you know, yeah. tell someone to yeah. implement some of the same techniques because you know that it's working. I mean, you don't have to try everything, but I think we have to invest in ourselves as well. And I think self-care and, you know, things like the taking sabbaticals are extremely important to our mental health, our physical health, emotional well-being, all of that. We have to also do the work that we encourage our clients to do as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I want to get to that sabbatical rest that you have been talking about in a minute. But do you mind? I I, I, we're, I kind of want to take this at a little deeper level sure. with you, if you're okay with that. Because I know that there are people who are listening to this who have probably been in similar situations as you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with trauma or abuse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're okay with that, I would love to hear maybe just, uh, you know, Tell me, tell me about uh, how you have been, have experienced trauma yourself and what was that like for you? We'll be back after a quick break. The year was 1846 and Sarah Graves was 21, a newlywed, and had dreams of moving to California. But an encounter with a group known as the Donner Party would change her life forever in a fight for survival that some would live to never speak of again. Here on The Land of Odd, we're a history podcast that covers the odd, macabre, and inspiring stories that you won't find in a textbook. At the time, two brothers were kidnapped by the circus, 
to the connection between jazz and voodoo, or the double murder that inspired America's obsession with true crime. Listen to The Land of Odd, a history podcast, on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sure. Um, well, I'll share a, a portion of it because it is a very long, complicated story. But one of the hardest part that I had to actually recover from was when you have, particularly with my with my mother, um, when someone doesn't believe your story mm. and you're a child um, in dealing with the, the sense of betrayal mm. and um neglect in a sense the emotional neglect from a parent someone that you go go to and this was my only parent because my father was not involved in my life there is a sense of abandonment that happens Mm -hmm. um at a very young age and even into adulthood because you don't know if you can trust the person with your story um that they really believe you um Mm -hmm. and i know a lot of i've had a lot of clients who have similar stories where their their mother, um, you know, ended up staying with the abuser, didn't believe them, you know, family members kind of aligned themselves more with the mom. And, and so the, the, the victim is then re-victimized because now they have to be a part of this family. You can't get a new family. So it is your mm. family. Um, yeah. So you kind of have to live with it. And for me, the biggest part of this trauma was to be able to forgive because Mm. to carry around the anger and the hate and the pain was it was a it was a heavy weight that i i couldn't shoulder you know i couldn't shoulder it and so over time you know it became clear to me that forgiveness was a huge component of my healing process and that I needed to actually, that's, that was the most laborious part of my work was, you know, doing that work with, in my family. So my, my mom and I and my therapist had joint sessions. My, my dad flew in from Canada, flew into um, to Maryland from Canada mm-hmm. to be a part of a, a, a session because the, the healing needed to happen and everybody needed to be a part of it. And so I... Um, I recognize that for me, that having the freedom that comes with forgiving someone was more important than holding on to the desire of wanting that person to be hurt. Because sometimes you want, (laughs) when you've been a victim, you want the other person to kind of feel the pain so that you can then be okay with forgiving them because you're like, okay, well now you know what it feels like. So I could forgive you, Mm -hmm. but -hmm. you don't want to freely give it like, wow, you didn't even do anything to earn that. Mm. Um, And so I think sometimes we can externally think that, especially when we're dealing with our clients, like, wow, you know, it's really time for you to, it's been 20 years and you're still carrying this around. And so we can sometimes be judgmental, but then when you're in that position, to forgive someone without them even feeling sorry for what they did or even knowing the full weight of what they did or, and how it impacted your life, um, it, it's, it's, it's much, much more difficult. And so um, for me, like that was probably the hardest part of my journey was really taking time and making sure I could really forgive 
Mm. Um, not forget, but just forgive. Yes. Forgive that Thank person. you for that, for saying that, forgive. Because I tell people all the time that forgiveness doesn't mean you're going to forget. Right. And, and it doesn't mean reconciliation necessarily. Exactly. And forgiveness doesn't also doesn't necessarily take away the pain. Right. And we, I don't want anyone to forgive that or, or uh, uh, not think about that. Mm -hmm. uh, because it is uh, really an amazing, I think, to, to hear uh, yourself and others, because you're not the only therapist that I've talked with that has similar background. Uh, but talk about how their brokenness and their need for healing mm. results in forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the one thing that I have felt in my own life, as well as my clients, that forgiveness, it really frees you mm -hmm. more than anybody. Absolutely. You know, because mm -hmm. you, if you don't forgive and you're hanging on to bitterness and resentment towards somebody who did something against you, then you're kind of imprisoned by bitterness and resentment. Yeah. And that's a heavy burden. It is. It really is. And I actually studied it out um, in the Bible. And to really get a biblical, for me, this, my faith is very important to me. Mm. And I use scriptures and sermons, songs, everything, everything I could find sure. to help me kind of, especially when I was going through this process, but just to help me grow as a human being. And there was one scripture, particularly in Deuteronomy 15, uh, which is kind of centered around the Sabbath, the Sabbath year. And mm -hmm. it's talking about the canceling of debt. And every seven years, which is kind of how we come up with our um, bankruptcy law, is based on that scripture. So every hmm. seven years, you're supposed to forgive the debt of, of anyone, <laughs> people who owe you money. You just cancel hmm. all their debt. And I really use that scripture as my guide during my sabbatical because during that year, I worked hard to forgive the people that that abused me or, um, mm. or re re traumatized me through through the experience of, you know, maybe my mom staying with the abuser. And so I think those types of scriptures kind of just helped me see that it was a burden. It was a debt that I was carrying and I was the one <laughs> mm. that was suffering and, and the other people, we're fine. You know, they didn't see anything wrong. Life was going on as normal for them. But I was the one that was suffering. I was the one that was in pain. I was the one that was in bondage. And mm -hmm. so for me, the emotional forgiveness of that debt released me from 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 that. You know, it it I was no longer tethered to the the mood, the up and down, the anger, the rage that I felt internally but couldn't really express because you know that's my mom <laughs> like yeah. you know, I can't really uh, be too upset so I, I mean I had anger I had rage and even dealing with that as a Christian like okay well can I be angry can I be really upset can I can I hate because that's that's how I felt at times um you know those emotions would go up and down but I didn't really have anywhere to express them so for me, again, I went to counseling, I used the scriptures, I used music, I used all types of things to kind of help me through that process. And I found answers in things like Deuteronomy 15, which kind of helped make sense of, of my sabbatical and 
what beyond just taking time to to heal and get well what it really meant to forgive and how I could use that time as a time to really release that burden in my life. Yeah. What a story. It's awesome. And so I, we just have a few minutes uh, to go here in, but I, I really want I think this is a good lead way into your book that you have written. And I, I want to make sure you let people know about that and where they can get it. And, and I'll make sure I'll put this on my show notes as well. So people can go there and make sure they can look you up and, and talk, you know, tell us your, your website and, and all that before we wrap up. Okay, sure. The book is available on Amazon. The title of the book is Sabbath Season, A Call to Rest. Uh, you can also purchase a copy on my website, and that is www.sabbathseason.com. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and it's all under Sabbath Season. So you can just Google, type in Sabbath Season, and you should be able to find me. I um, really, uh, you know, I'm working really hard to just promote the, the book as a, a way to encourage people to implement self-care. Um, I use the word Sabbath because I, I think in our culture, especially in, a, in the American culture, we really don't understand <laughs> what it mm -hmm. means to really rest. And particularly Christians. And I think we, we miss an opportunity to really help the world in this area to really disconnect. And I think now we're starting to see the ramifications of always being connected, always being on social media. I, I've read an article, I think Americans spend about 11 hours using electronic devices, five hours on social media just alone. And mm. that is a huge amount of time to to just be out, kind of extending your stuff, extending yourself, and not recharging. Sometimes we have to separate. We have to be in a place of stillness, quiet, just to even process our own thoughts. And so my book was about my journey to really embrace that season. God was calling me to take some time off. And I was like, no, I don't want to do it. I, it doesn't make any sense right now. I'm really trying to, I just started a new job and I was in a relationship at the time and thought we were going to get married. So I'm trying to save and do all these things to prepare for that. But God kept <laughs> nudging me um, in the <laughs> gentlest way to really listen and and as scary as it was to begin to take time away um and so eventually i i listened and i was obedient and i i used my savings what i was saving for a wedding <laughs> um wow. you know which was six to nine months living expenses they say and i lived off of that and i studied the scriptures i read a lot of books on faith um, and I used that time. That was the time where I did the heavy lifting in my healing process. Um, that's where I went to counseling. I slept. I was exhausted. <laughs> mm. I was, now, Nicola, do you talk about that in your book? I, is that kind of what this is? I do talk about kind of that process in the book. Uh -huh. So um, the book, it's, it's a short read. It's about seven chapters. And the first chapter is about entering his rest and really kind of understanding what that means biblically. It's a lot about the Israelites and how their journey kind of 
started and how sometimes we're, we're, we don't listen to what God is trying to call us to enter into his rest. Um, the second chapter is about harden not your hearts. And so sometimes we hear the call, but we don't listen. Um, forgive us our debts is the third chapter. And I, that's where I talk about Deuteronomy 15 and just going through that process of releasing any debt that you might owe. And that could mm-hmm. be emotional. And then the fourth chapter is really kind of like my testimony. It's, it's, it's called Healing for Your Soul. And that is an entire process of really being vulnerable and telling the story of, of getting well. You know, for a long time, I, I, I thought I was trying to get well, but I really didn't invest in myself. And so it really is about my, my process with, you know, counseling as a counselor, admitting that I need to go to counseling because <laughs> that is its mm. own issues. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm the one that's supposed to have it together. I'm the one that's supposed to take care of other people. And there are seasons in all of our lives where we're going to be the ones that need to be taken care of. And that is okay. That is okay to give ourselves permission to rest. Uh, the next chapter is called Sabbath Delight. And then chapter six is God's supernatural provisions, which I share about the miraculous things God did for me during that time, which is amazing. Um, how he provided for me financially and just really took care of me, uh, which changed my perception of him because I relied so heavily on myself to do everything. Going back to my childhood, where I became so independent at such a young age, I really, you know, whatever I needed, I just made it happen. And so that kind of self-reliant spirit was always a part of me. And God was breaking that in me so that I could rely more on him and not myself to make things happen. And then the last chapter is just kind of a recap of the the experience and just kind of encouraging people to start their own sabbatical sabbath weekend it doesn't have to be a year but you know whatever it means for your life if it means one less activity a day (laughs) then Mm -hmm. that could be a way to start your own journey well this has been a pleasure uh, getting to know you more, Nicola, and, and listening to your story and uh, just hearing how God has, um, you know, really redeemed your brokenness and healed you uh, through this whole process. And then how you're helping other people who are struggling with their own story. And uh, so I, I appreciate you being vulnerable and transparent and I appreciate you coming on. I'm sure my listeners are appreciative as well uh, because I'm sure a lot of them can relate to you in your story. So again, uh, Nicola Brown from the Washington, D.C. area. She is a licensed clinical social worker. Go to her website at sabbathseason.com, and there you can find all kinds of good resources, including this book, or you can go on Amazon. Uh, It's also available as an e-book on Kindle, which is awesome. Uh, So make sure you do that and read that and um, let Nicola know. Uh, If you get the book, give her some good reviews. I would appreciate that. All right, Nicola, I'm going to let you go. Uh, Thank you so much again for joining me today and uh, sharing a little bit of what God has done in your life. And I just really appreciate what you do. And I appreciate uh, your transparency in 
and being able to help the people that come to see you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening to my show. Really appreciate you. And I did want to mention that Nicola had told me that she is offering uh, a copy of her book for the first two people to go to her, her website and sign up for it. Would definitely encourage you to do that. And her website is season.com. S-E-A-S-O-N.com. Make sure you go there. Let her know that you heard uh, her on my show. And she will give you a free copy of her book. And not an ebook, a hard copy. So the first two people to do that, go out there and uh, go to her website and take her up on that. And also she has some web webinars coming up, uh, a free webinar, uh, the Entrepreneur's Guide to Self-Care and also um, Self-Publishing 101. So those are some webinars. I'm sure she'll have some others as well. Uh, make sure you check out her website. All right, take care, my friends. And remember, I am your CEO, your Chief Encouragement Officer. You have been listening to The John Cordray Show. Remember, your story isn't over yet. Together, we can break the stigma of mental health. Together, we can make a difference. Be sure to catch the next episode of The John Cordray Show. Until next time, stay in the green zone. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.